Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Boom hits it to deep left. That might send the Yankees to the World Series. Boom, a hero in game seven. Clemens has set a major league record for strikeouts in a game. Derek Jeter with one of the most unbelievable plays you will ever see by a shortstop. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Welcome to episode three of Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. We've had to modify here somewhat because we have hit summertime in this COVID-19 pandemic and we have no baseball. So we will talk Yankees, Red Sox, but we also want to talk about the current state of affairs of baseball or what isn't baseball. And also just have some fun with the game of baseball if you've forgotten that you love it. Of course, John Senecal on one side of me, you'd be like, who's that guy on the other side of me and John Senecal? And there's a backstory to it. His name is Bobby Dickerson. He's the bench coach for the San Diego Padres. Bobby, how many organizations have you worked in, in total, by the way? Um, let's see, started out the Yankees and Orioles, Diamondbacks, Cubs, uh, back to the Orioles. And then now, um, and now with San Diego, that's five different organizations. That's that. That's and the Phillies, the Phillies too. And, oh, that's right. I had a stop in the Phillies last year. That's right. Thanks, John. A little cup of I coffee in Philly. Cause it was, a, it actually was a wonderful year. I really enjoyed that year there. Just happened quick. So just quickly before we get into your – you're here with us as a great courtesy of a, a longstanding friendship with John, and we will get into that friendship. And I'm, I'm really excited just to hear about life in the minors, especially in the Yankee system and your life and experience. But how are you feeling right now about – I mean, you have this incredible job. I mean, you're basically one job away from being a major league manager, and there's no baseball. What, what's your life like right now? Well, you know, we're just preparing like there is going to be baseball. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, this whole pandemic thing threw a wrench in a whole lot of people's lives, you know. And um, we in baseball just trying to uh, figure this out and, and hopefully get on the field at some point, you know. Do you uh, view the things that are going on with disgust? Uh, do you understand it? I mean, you were a player, and I'm not necessarily going to ask you to take sides, but – from my perspective, I'll just tell you, last week I came to the conclusion that I don't want baseball played this season. And they can do exhibitions and do an all-star game or do a, a home run derby. 
but I'd like to see the union and the owners just say, listen, let's do some things to make money and make people happy and let's start fresh next year. Um, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, you know, obviously it's going to be different in many ways, whatever it comes up with. I think a whole lot, uh, there's a whole lot of people involved in this, a whole lot smarter than me trying to figure it out and what's best for everything. You know, um, um, you know, like I said, I was a player. I was around in 94 when there was a, there was some labor problems. Um, and fortunately for me, I had an opportunity to go into Baltimore as a coach. So I didn't, I, I was right at the end of my, uh, I would like to call it a career. It wasn't much of a career. You could have, you could have been a replacement player, right? You could have been a replacement player. I had, I had, I had about five offers to be a replacement player. Um, but fortunate for me, um, Mr. Angelos and the Baltimore Orioles didn't have a replacement team and they offered me a coaching job. So I took the coaching job after a lot of thought. And, um, I mean, I look back at that and I, you know, I'm sure I would probably end up having to been a replacement player if I wouldn't have had an offer that I had from the Orioles. So and you're glad you weren't, you glad you didn't have to do that. Make that choice. A hundred percent. There was a lot of really good friends of mine that ended up uh, making that choice. Um, and I understand it. I got where they were in their career and such, but I also understand, um, you know, the other side of it, being in the, being a member of the union now myself as the coach, a major league coach, um, you know, I understand it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, sticky subject. I mean, it's just trying to get things worked out for both parties and uh, I can see both sides always. And um you know, a lot of smart people are working on this, so hopefully it gets solved. Do you think we're running out of time, though, I think? Don't you think so, Bobby? Obviously. I mean, Yeah, you know, we, we've got pitchers that are down. I mean, I think these guys are, um, you know, doing things on their own at home. I mean, we have, we have kind of kept our place open for small workouts, and I know for sure our guys have been trying to keep themselves ready. But um, And as far as the industry, I'm assuming guys are on their own doing things, but you know what? There still is spring training. We we definitely don't want to hurt any players. Um, we want to make sure that that you know one they're safe for COVID and also physically ready to play a season, even if it is a short season. So now, you, you've been you've been around a you've been around a lot of spring trainings, though. I mean, over the years. I mean, how how and realistically, how long do you think it would take to get guys ready to get going into a season? Well, as I said, it's, it all depends on what they've been doing as far as throwing. And I know with the expanded rosters and such, that'll, you know, get us to a point with the innings that we're going to need. Um, you know, the position players typically get ready, get ready quicker, you know, it's especially if they've been doing some running and it might take a little time to get their timing back with live pitching. But, um, you know, the thing is those arms, man, we, we definitely don't want to hurt some of these great arms. I mean, there's some, you know, really great talented young players out there and when one thing we don't want to do is rush it back and, and not give them ample time to be ready to pitch you know it's funny because we've talked about the players and owners just talking about money and they weren't even talking health protocols and then we had a bunch of those positive tests and all of a sudden we have two two track problem not even considering spring training so there's a multiple track problem i gonna ask you a couple of quick questions bobby the first one is um do you think there'll be baseball this season my heart tells me yes. I mean, I'm, I'm preparing every day here that we're going to play a season some kind of way. Um, um, you know, until until someone calls me and says, you know, it's 100% off, I'm going to prepare 
and help our guys prepare like uh, we're going to play. But in your mind, you're thinking maybe not. I mean, it, it, there's always that possibility because there's nothing certain, right? And then especially with the COVID stuff that started this past week. Uh, but more so than anything, I think, um, you know, it's just getting the, the labor labor agreement and the deal made for as far as, far as like the compensation of what the players are going to make, how many games we're going to play, uh, all the little ins and outs of that, how how we travel. Um, you know, it's, it's a whole lot of um, issues. And I'm, I mean, until it's canceled, I believe we're going to play. Yeah. Um, and again, there's got a lot of things to solve. Real quick, before I hand it over to John, I also want to ask you, you've worked so hard. I mean, as a guy who never, I don't think you got a day of service time in the bigs, correct? Correct. Okay. And here you are, a bench coach for a major league team. I look at that, I'm like, you, you not only have you achieved so much, but just to get where you are now is incredible. But you're also, who knows when, a lucky break or a good interview or a firing away from being a major league manager. How would a lost season impact your goals and your future? Do you have like a one-year contract? Like, how does that work? Uh, well, I'm currently under a three-year contract. I don't know how that works now with the way, um, you know, all this has taken place. You know, with uh, the national emergency, a lot of the contracts were voided in, in baseball because of, uh, you know, the 13 ch- – uh, um, I forget what is number 13 in our contract. It just be, just says basically due to a national emergency, the contracts could be basically void. And so um, I believe um, um, I'm, I am getting older, obviously, 54 years old. I'm, my goal has always been to manage in the major leagues once I finished playing. And I just and I but I've never put my mind on managing in the big leagues. Uh, unfortunately, like a lot of people do, I wish some of the guys would that have gotten these opportunities would have uh, um, kind of honed their trade a little bit before getting some of these opportunities. Um, I think it's about just like anything you, you, you do a job um, even if it's in single a or rookie ball or college or wherever it is, you do it with the focus of doing that job, not, not your eyes on another position. Right. And, um, and that's how I've approached my career, you know, now I'm getting a little older, obviously. um, But, you know, um, I hope this doesn't affect um, in the long run. I hopefully we can get this season started, and then things will be back to normal next year and going forward. And um, but again, like I said, my dream has been to manage, but right now my focus is to help San Diego Padres get to the World Series. And a, a lot of people are watching, you know, baseball play out now. But you, I mean, you haven't stopped doing anything since spring training started. You've been working nonstop, like you said. You're preparing, like. Like, like tomorrow you could play. That's how you're preparing. When we left spring training, a lot of people, you know, were told to go home and um, was given the option to come out here and be available for the players um, to get work done if they wanted. We kept our stadium open, and I chose to come out here right away, and I've been out here and, you know, hitting ground balls and whoever, you know, wants to get their work done. And fortunately for me, all of our guys have shown interest in it, you know, Manny and – Hosmer and Tatis and Profar and all the guys are here and a couple of the younger guys, Greg Garcia is working with me here and um, Cronenworth and um, and also Ty France. So we got some pretty much our whole 
I think our whole major league infield is, is here coming in and out, getting work done. So I've been fortunate uh, to have a bunch of guys really wanting to take advantage of some of this time with me. So let me ask you a question that you just mentioned a couple of names there. Uh, you, 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 you're an infield coach, you know, by trade. I mean, you've done a lot of infield coaching over the years, third base coach. You worked with Manny Machado, you tutor basically, you know, in Baltimore. How exciting is it, A, to have Manny again, to work with him again, and B, have someone like Tatis and the other talented infielders, Hosmer, those kind of guys. It's got to be super exciting. Yeah, you know, if you look at, at uh, first of all, at, as a group of what they did last year defensively, wasn't very good. There's a whole lot of talent on this infield, but as far as performance-wise, it, it just wasn't there as a group. And uh, that's intriguing to me as a teacher of baseball and and the way I go about my business, I'd like to bring us up the ladder a little bit and bring Hosmer back to, to where he was and Manny back to where he was and hopefully clean up Tatis and Profar to get them to where their talent says they should be. Um, but um, going back to Manny, I, I mean, I've never taken credit for anything that Manny has done in his career. He's a great player. Um, look, he, he, he was going to be a big leaguer whether he met me or not. Um, I just tried to treat him the same way I treated every player I've ever worked with, from Ryan Terrio to Junior Spivey, um, different guys that didn't didn't make it to the major leagues. Um, I treat them exactly the same way and, and work hard with them and try to uh, give them give them my knowledge, the mistakes I've made in my career, and and try to you know, help them be good young men also. And sometimes it's worked out, sometimes it hadn't, and. You know, again, man, he's been the biggest biggest success story that I've worked with, I should say. Did you get the job because of Manny or did you take the job because of Manny? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not positive of that. Manny swears that he had nothing to do with it. He told me point blank that it was a surprise to him. Uh, I just know. Which I means he probably go got it. I feel like that's him. that means that he got he, he said we need him. Well, I think once my name came into this is what I've heard. Like I was in Mexico managing and I got a call that um, from the Phillies saying that the Padres were interested in talking to me about a potential position to get permission. They had to call my parent club. Um, so we spoke and, and the thing was what I was told is basically my name kept coming up and they, they had talked to a lot of people from J.J. Hardy to, you know, even some some people I worked with, James Keller, who I worked with with Arizona years ago, he works closely with A.J. Preller, and um, he had a lot of things to say about who I was as a coach. And and um, and then, uh, of course, like last year during the season, Manny would make statements that, you know, uh, what kind of coach I was. Um, I'm, you know, passionate. Manny's words would be, you know, he's a hard coach. He's no-nonsense get the job done type guy. And I think um, it's kind of, it kind of ended up being a nice marriage. We interviewed, we talked, uh, talked with Jace Tingler and AJ Preller and um, kind of seemed to be on the same page with the, with the way we viewed it and uh, it worked out. So, um, you know, I'm sure it doesn't hurt that I've been around Manny, a guy they invested a lot in and um, having a history with Manny. Um, but I'd like to think that, some of my personal achievements in my career helped me get, you know, the opportunity also. Well, listen, I think that uh, one of the most fascinating things, you know, when, when uh, John said, Hey, I got a buddy who works in major league baseball. Maybe he'll come on the show. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, maybe, 
who is this guy, right? And then I read in on the places you've been and the things that you've done. Uh, I've been close enough covering the majors to know how big a deal it is to be able to walk on that field every day. So it's extremely impressive, especially, you know, I think some of the best managers have come from three minor leaguers. I always think of like a Lasorda type and all that. So I, I hope you get that chance. Um, we're, of course, talking to Bobby Dickerson, drafted by the New York Yankees. What is it, the 23rd round? Was that what it was? Yeah, 23rd round. Boy, I was a high super prospect. $1,000 sign. I signed so fast that as we started talking, I was a senior sign, and I had one more semester left to graduate. And I signed so fast that after we started talking for a little while, my scout, Joe Robinson, was sitting there, and um, – he said, oh, my God, Bobby, I didn't realize I could probably get you your last year of college paid for. Let me make a phone call. And it was too late. I had already signed the contract. He couldn't get it done. He couldn't get me that last year paid for. That's how bad I wanted to just get a chance. Let me ask you something, Bobby. Did, were you there, uh, was there interest at, in high school? Because you had a very impressive high school career. This dude had 154 RBIs over a high school career. 154 well, RBIs. Well, I tell you this: there wasn't. I wouldn't say. Um, wouldn't say there was a lot. I, I was going like every other player. You know, different scouts would invite me to these tryout camps or whatever. And um, you know, I was eighty-seven, eighty-eight, at seventeen off the mound. I was a you know pretty good pitcher in high school. Most of my recruiting was as a high school pitcher. You know, all the schools in the South recruited me to pitch, except where I went, Nickel State. Um, Mike Knight was a hell of a recruiter. He told me I could pitch Friday night and play third base the rest of the time, and uh, I I bid on it. Uh, I got to I got to school, and there were ten third basemen, and I never pitched an inning. So I found out about recruiting after that. Uh, it was pretty neat. I had to earn my stripes there, and I got lucky. You know, back to college, I I, I still say it. We had a really great shortstop there as a senior. I was a freshman, Matt. Um, Bejeron, he was going to be a drafted player, and he ended up tearing up his shoulder throwing. He had to move to first base, and it created shortstop. And I ended up, you know, coming a Hall of Famer and breaking the school records and games played, and I still hold a lot of records there just because of attrition. I played every game for four years, so um, it just all, you know, worked out and blessed me. And um, you know, it's crazy how how life works out. If he doesn't get hurt, I probably. I'm probably a backup third baseman, redshirted or something, instead of starting shortstop. So I want to do. I want to play a little game, and I want to talk about the the minor leagues in a second. But John, I want you to, from your perspective, give me your your experience the first day you met Bobby, and then Bobby, you give your older. What's the age difference? Nine years. What is it? Nine years. Yeah. So yeah. nine years older. You give me your perspective when you first met John Seneca. John, why don't you go first? All right, so I, the first time I met Bobby, he was playing for the Albany Colony Yankees in Albany, New York, which is, you know, the capital of New York. But the stadium was probably smaller than, like, your son's high school field where he just graduated from, I'm guessing, right? Right. <laughs> so uh, there was a rain out, and my father and I used to have uh, season tickets, and we would go to all the games. And there was a rain, a rain delay, and it was a long rain delay. And, you know, the players used to have to walk basically through this – the, the feet the stands to get onto the field so i'd always go and talk to all the players and everything and bobby was just out there kind of along the field and we just started talking and we probably talked you me and my father for probably at least an hour i would think just bsing about whatever and you know i, I think part of it bobby was probably lonely being up north and sitting around and the other part was you know it was 
1989. It was, you know, minor league baseball. It was pure. It was great. And, you know, I, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I'm talking to this baseball player and, you know, the rest is history. It was, it was, it was pretty neat. So you looked at him, he was kind of like a hero. Like you looked up, you like, wow, this guy is what I would want to be. Well, I mean, you know, I'm mean, 14 years old, you know, I love baseball. Like my older brother is Bobby's age, but he wasn't around. He was off getting in trouble. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, my father was like my mom was gone. It was me and my dad, you know, we used to go to games and that's what we had. You know, that's, that's what it was. So it was Bobby, great, though. It was, it's very interesting, you know, that, that something like that could, you know, almost what, 28, 29 years later or something like that. Yeah, you were in his wedding. Now, Bobby, you're a 23 year old kid trying to make it through to the bigs. You got kids asking for autographs all the time. So how does it happen that some punk 14-year-old, or not a punk, actually, maybe that's what impressed you, that him and his dad were so earnest. But we'll, you're sitting there in a rain delay, and this kid and his dad start talking to you. What, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, I guess I saw a lot of myself in him. You know, I, I just, um, I, I'm pure. You know, it's just like I just saw another normal, a normal guy that happened to get an opportunity to play baseball uh, in the minor leagues. It's, it wasn't like um, – like I tell players all the time, you better be happy someone's asking for your autograph because pretty soon they won't be. And um, I try to live by that, you know. And at the time, I didn't even see John as someone wanting my autograph. It just was a kid and his dad. And we started talking, and um, my time was no more important than their time. If they felt like uh, I was going to occupy some of their time, then, you know, what, what made my time more valuable. So um, we got to know each other, and, and the friendship kind of flourished through the years and uh, um you know it, it just how it happened it's kind of how i lived my career and um uh, and you know looking back at those days i mean i'm sure john's a little disappointed at the friendship that he got because we had some star players on those teams i, mean, <laughs> I was I, I was actually i was hoping i was going to talk to Dion sanders that day and he was going to hang out with us but bobby bobby <laughs> yeah exactly uh you know, Buck Showalter, Deion Sanders, there's some superstar names, some some big-time people were there. I was like – I tell the story a lot of times. That team, if you look back, I'm pretty much the only one that didn't play in the big leagues off that team. So that's That team was insane. I think they were like 40-something games over 500 that season. Yeah. It was so like – it, it, so Buck was the manager. You had – Deion was there. Who was on the team? Bernie. Bernie. Bernie Williams. Gerald, Hensley Mullins. Hensley Mullins. Um, the shortstop and myself, Jim Layritz, Tim Becker, Tim Becker Jim and myself, Jim, Jim Layritz, Oscar Azokar was there for a minute. Um, Kevin Mamahat, Kevin Mama, Scott Kamenicki, Kevin Moss, Kamenicki. Um, I mean, it was impressive. Jason Moss, Andy Stanky, Stanky the Yankee. Huh. Dude, that team was so yeah, was, nasty. Really and uh, do you know? Leana, Tim Leana. Did you know then who, who was going to make it? Like, did you know, like, did you look at Bernie and like that guy is a cup of coffee here and he's gone? Honestly, I mean, honestly, and I still say this to people that, you know, uh, say they go out there and scout and this guy's going to be something great. I, I think it, you got to play it out because I look back at those days and Bernie was a good player, um, but it wasn't like, you know, I was I was from the River River Parishes in Louisiana, and we had some super stud athletic baseball players in my area. And 
I just have seen players like that at that level, if you follow what I'm saying. I didn't know what he would turn into. Just a really talented athlete. And, I mean, again, Gerald was on that team. Gerald Williams ended up playing 10 years in the big leagues. And I played with Gerald in high school, and um, he didn't play till his senior year and walked on at Grambling. So, to be honest, you know, it, it, you got to play it out. I mean, there's some – some no-brainers, but if you look at the history of our game, how many first-rounders absolutely pop? How many can't-miss prospects? If you go back in a system and you look at their top ten prospects five years ago and you go, where are they now? And you you just be surprised. Somebody that wasn't even on a list ended up being the best player. Yeah, my and, first memories were like uh, Brian Taylor and Todd Van Poppel. Those are the guys I remember. Happens all the time. And so – um, with that being said, that team, I just knew there was a bunch of baseball rats, baseball passionate people, and we were led by, in my opinion, the ultimate passionate baseball man. So it was, it was, you know, a great formula for my career, per, you know, personally, but I think for a lot of guys' career. I mean, I just saw a, a, one of these kind of podcasts or something with Buck Showalter and Deion Sanders um, talking um, about those days uh, recently on uh, on Yes. And, um, I mean, it's it was brought back a lot of memories. I mean, Buck was really good mentor of young men at that time. You know, it was just incredible. It's pretty amazing that. And then you got the man, uh, coach under him for six seasons in Baltimore, too. Yeah, I mean, we I think I was that guy that just wasn't quite good enough, you know, and Buck respected the type of work ethic I had. And so as my career unfolded um, after baseball, um, you know, he brought me to Arizona as a minor league coach and never, never quite, um, for lack of a better word, Buck is, Buck is such a, a professional type presentation is huge for him, how you conduct your business, how you do these things. So uh, it took me a while to get to earn the stripes to get on his major league staff. It wasn't like a friendship type thing. I'm going to hire you and put you on my staff. Like we see a lot in, in some of these things. I was, I was looked past, you know, in Texas, Arizona, I mean, you know, people say, Oh, you're Buck's guy. No, I earned those stripes from Buck and earned those opportunities. That's interesting. You say that because I would have said, you know, it's a great lesson in, you never know who's going to help. I always tell young kids and people I mentor when it comes to networking, you never know who's going to be that person to give you an opportunity. So you want to treat everybody the same because you never know what's going to work out for you. And you may say that, Bobby, but I think that's a little bit of humility because, I mean, with Machado in San Diego, the time you spent with Buck in, in Baltimore and all those different moving parts, there's no doubt that your previous relationships contributed to the opportunity you had. I mean, it'd be hard to argue against. Right. I believe that. I, I do believe that. I'd be, look, face it, people talk, people talk. So when you're in a, in a room with someone and a name gets brought up, it's going to be either some negative or something positive. Very rarely does someone say no comment. So when they're, <laughs> you know, I'm sure if things, if, if Manny was talking with AJ Preller at some point, who is Bobby Dickerson? I'm, I, and I'm glad I impacted him in a way that he would say something positive, you know? Um, and Buck, I mean, I made my mistakes along the way under him and it took a long time for me to earn the chance, you know, to, to be on his staff, but I'm sure my name had come up many times in conversations for potential spots and it just took the right situation, um, you know, and the right opportunity for it to happen. 
we see guys playing in the major leagues now and how just how hard is it to get there? I mean, you made it to AAA and it's a struggle, I'm guessing. It's not it's not easy. You got you got to be you got to be very good, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think I, I will say honestly the way this turnover is now, it just seems like and it may not be such. I, I don't have a stat to prove it, but it seems much easier now to get a chance to get there now um, than it did back in back in you know the day um, guys were established it was hard to break in there same thing as as being a major league staff member you know you 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 had major league staff members staying in place 20 years you know and it was hard to break in and the same thing as a player you looked up there and and uh, you know the Yankees needed somebody they went out and bought them they didn't bring them up from AAA a lot of times and you just get buried and, and the opportunities just were never there. And, and especially coming up with the Yankees, sometimes maybe coming up with a, another organization, they may have been there, but coming up with the Yankees. Um, and nor do I say now, I'm not saying that I was ever good enough or ever put up enough numbers that I should have uh, earned a chance to be there. I'm just saying that as an industry, um, I see a lot more turnover now, a lot more young guys getting a chance um, than, than possibly would have back in the day. You know, and you said coming out of the South, going to Oneana. Look, when we signed back in the day, it's another thing. When we signed, uh, there were five of us in a house in Oneana living together. Um, and no no wheels, no car. Hmm. You look out in our parking lot, I mean, there was no cars. Now, as a, when I was in the minor leagues roving and, and being a, you know, roving infield guy, field coordinator, wherever, roving around – Every parking lot you go in from rookie ball to AAA, there's, you know, every kind of nice car, Lexuses and Cadillacs. And, like, it's crazy. It's crazy the difference. It's, I mean, it's um, back, in, back in our day, I just remembered, you know, just you earning it, you know, earning it big time, you know. And uh, I remember being, you know, one thing neat was when I did sign with the Yankees, I remember a story, um, you know, they just talked to us about, the, the pride of the pinstripes, you know, and, and the honor that we were getting to wear these uniforms and who has worn them before us and the responsibility that was fo- before us, um, you know, going forward to honor that uniform and stuff like that. And, and for me, it was right up. It was speaking my language. Hmm. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was punching some other people in the gut going, I don't buy this crap, you know, but for me, it was, I needed that. I, I love that discipline that, um, you know, we had to have our hair cut short. We wore collared shirts on the road. No other team was doing that. We, we were the only team that Mr. Steinbrenner, if you look back, uh, I look back at it, we had video buses. Um, nobody else had that at the time. Hmm. Um, just so many nice things that we had, but we were pretty boys. We were, you know, we were uh, ragged on by a lot of the people in the league. Um, like we thought we were better than them. It kind of was, it kind of was how we were, brought into professional baseball that we were taught that we were supposed to be better than everybody else. Hold yourself higher. Um, and I'm grateful for my personal career to have originally signed there and, and been in an organization under Mr. Steinbrenner and, and having Buck, um, you know, as my manager, because it, it kind of, it kind of gave me a, uh, um, a little guidance. When you think, when I think about what you just said, and I'm thinking about the scenario. Well, the pride of the uniform, I think, is so so special. But then I, I think to myself, well, what if you got drafted by KC and got a chance at the show? Would you trade that for 
being drafted by the Yankees and never getting a shot at the show. And you can put a pin in that question. And also, like, I think if you I have to be honest, I think a little bit of Moonlight Graham, right? I mean, what is it like to get that close? Now, you've been on the field since as a manager, but what is it like to get that close to the big and not play in Major League Baseball? But Bobby, you did play a spring training game, didn't you, for the Major League Club? Yeah, I got I got invited over and played, you know, a few of those with the Orioles where they brought me over. But um, honestly, I, I just – I think – I don't know. Just being with the Yankees, I never really felt like I was that close to the big leagues. I just felt – you know, I was a 230 hitter. I grinded every day. I felt I felt closer to release than I ever did to being a big leaguer, honestly. I'd go to work every day just trying to bust my tail. I caught bullpens. I would do anything I could do, just hopefully they weren't going to tap me on the shoulder and send me home. And um, so I look back and I go, okay, yeah, that would be interesting. I would love to have played in the big leagues, of course. Um, but – at, at my point right now in my life at 54 years old and thinking how my life has turned out, um, you know, I've never made a whole lot of money in the industry. Um, but I, I think of everything that's given me and the people I've met and the things, um, you know, if I wouldn't have had some discipline early in my life, I don't know where, I, where what road I'd have been down. My dad was really disciplined, but once I left home and I've seen so many of my friends go down a bad road, um, you know, but, just being with the Yankees and giving me some pride and, and something to be, it was pretty cool for me. Now, did you have a rivalry when you played in the minor league teams, like the New Britain Red Sox or, uh, you know, the Pawtucket Red Sox when you played for Columbus? Did they, did they kind of preach that, like you're playing the Red Sox? No, we didn't ever hear that. But we, you know, we, I think myself personally, again, I was a different bird. I was, you know, put it this way, a friend of mine, Scott Kubal, signed a bat for me my last year playing. He said to a future major league manager. That was in '93. He just saw me different. Like I, like I was really into every play. Buck would even ask me, you know, you know, different situations when I'd be his utility infielder, and I just was constantly thinking the game. So when we played other opponents, it was just that opponent was my biggest rival, and I don't remember hearing anything other than obviously the media portrayal of it, you know, as, as how big it is. And, and I know the fan base and all that stuff. I was definitely aware of it. Um, but as far as internally um, in the minor leagues, we didn't want to beat New Britain any more than we wanted to beat whoever hmm. else. You know? Well, that is exactly where we're going here as we wind up episode three, because episode four, Bobby Dickerson, even though he can't speak to the rivalry as a minor leaguer, he's been on the field. Uh, as a coach and a staff member against the Red Sox, and he's gone against the Yankees quite a bit too. We're going to talk about his perspective of the Yankees and the Red Sox and this rivalry. Bobby Dickerson, it's been a pleasure. Uh, John and I will be back with you for episode four. You've been listening to Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to your podcast right now or wherever the podcast is available. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.